0: Good morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you this morning. Good to be with you in worship. Good morning, all of you in the upper room. Good to worship with you as well, and those of you following along online. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I hope to meet you next week at our Next Steps Luncheon. If you haven't a chance to be a part of that, I want to encourage you to sign up for the the luncheon coming up next week. It's a chance to get to know the staff and Christ Church. You can do that through uh, online. So we are in week two now of a sermon series. It's a brief sermon series. It's a chance for us after the holidays, after the Christmas season, after the time with family and friends, and that we all get sick together, that we can all take a deep breath breath, right? And so we take this time during these two weeks uh, to dive into a small book of the Bible is what we've done, a very small and yet very profound book of the Bible. The title of the book is 2 John, the book of 2 John. Just a reminder for you, a couple of recap, want to start off this morning. If you weren't with us last week, it's okay, no worries. Uh, this book, by the end of today, you will have read an entire book of the Bible. Not too bad, right? It also shows you how small the book is. So this is a small book. It is in the latter part of the Bible. It's towards the back. And it is, in fact, not your usual book as in a narrative. It's not history. It's not poetry. It is a letter. It is a letter that was written by a gentleman named John the Elder. John the Elder. And John was actually a prolific writer and leader in the early Christian church, he wrote not only Second John, but First John, Second John, and Third John—three John, three different letters to the early church. He also wrote the Gospel of John. This is a firsthand eyewitness account. ...of Jesus. Jesus' life, his death, his ministry, and his resurrection. John was one of those original twelve, one of those guys who was really close to Jesus. He ate with Jesus, traveled with Jesus, spoke with Jesus. He got to see incredible, miraculous, amazing things that Jesus did. And so he wrote some of those things down in his firsthand eyewitness account that we call the Gospel of John. And as part of being empowered by Jesus, as part of this whole Jesus movement that got going, John went out and started to preach and teach about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He started churches. And those churches began to spring up all over the ancient Greco-Roman world, all over the Mediterranean. And as a way to to tie the churches together, as a way to remain connected to all those various churches Churches, he would send letters to maintain and establish those relationships. And so 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John are some of those precious letters that John the Elder wrote and sent through the mail system off to those early churches. They would have been circulated, they would have been read, they would have been considered to be extremely influential because John himself was such an influential figure in that early church. Now, unfortunately, the simple reality is that John was not operating in a vacuum, that the church itself was not growing out of a vacuum. There were things happening in the context of that day, and specifically, there was a whole lot of confusion. There was a lot of confusion about what Christianity actually was, what did Jesus actually say, what did Jesus actually teach, And so, unfortunately, there was a whole bunch of bogus Christianity that was running around and causing trouble at this time. And so John, because he had such a clear picture of who Jesus was, wrote these letters out of a concern for the truth, that people would truly know and truly understand who Jesus was, what he did, what his life meant, what his death meant, and what his resurrection meant for Christian people. And so we get the book of Second John. Last week, we only did a couple verses, uh, which is saying something, because the whole thing is only a couple verses. Uh, But we did the introduction. I'm going to reread that introduction to you right now. If you didn't have a chance, I gave you guys some homework last week if you were with us. Did anyone actually read the book? Any of you guys read it? Nice, nice, fantastic, fantastic. If you missed out last week, no big deal. We're going to literally read the whole book in in church right now. So here we go. We're going to read along if you want in the half sheet, uh, your sermon notes. The half sheet is actually the entire book. We're going to read through just the first couple verses right now, recapping what we did last week. Here we go. Second John begins this way. Listen, will you? Here we go. This letter is from John the Elder. I am writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth. Just a reminder, that's a metaphor for the church. Uh, the mother church and the children. The children would be the Christians, okay? So the mother church. I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone who knows the truth because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Big, heavy emphasis on truth because of all that confusion that's been running amok. What is the truth? Here is the truth. Grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, who will continue to be with us, who live in love and truth. That's the beginning. That's the opening of the letter. That's how he introduces what he's about to get at. Big, heavy emphasis on the truth and establishing that he is one of the most influential people in the early church. Now we get to verse 4. This is where we pick up. This is where we dive into the meat, if you will, of the letter itself and where we're going to be walking through today. You ready to go? We're going to go verse by verse. Verse 4. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded." So, John is out and about, he's hitting up Costco, getting his coffee run, getting his bulk order done, and in the process, he bumps into some other Christians. He meets some other people, and he finds out that they were actually Christians who are connected to this church that he's aware of, and that he was part of starting, that he would have been influential. in. And so he connects with them, and it brings him great joy, great satisfaction, happiness is the word that he chooses. It's, it's great when you bump into a Christian brother or sister, someone who has that same worldview and that same faith that we share out in the world. And John echoes that. However, there are two ways to read this verse. The first is very positive, very exciting. I was excited to meet, I was happy to meet some Christians who were authentically, truly living according to the truth. They, they, they get it. The people that I met out there as we were hanging out and talking, I saw that the, 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 the true Christianity, true, real Jesus, I could feel it, I could see it, and I could hear it inside of them. That's the positive reading. All right, now let me give you the other reading. I'm going to turn on my dad voice. All right? This is my voice when I give like to, to my kids, and you've either given this voice or you've received this voice. You ready? How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, as the father commanded. Different vibe. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, which the father commanded. Come on, you guys know that voice, right? That's the something's quite not right here. right? This is a little Ooh, it's a little awkward, something's going on. The, the reality is that by using these words in this framework, John, specifically by using the word some, some could, might, may imply not all. This verse is laying seed that there may be controversy and struggle within the context of this early church, which would fit. It's why he's writing the letter to begin with. This is your first little warning flag to say, Not everything is hunky-dory in the church. Not everybody, necessarily, is living according to the truth. Verse 5. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one that we've had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. Okay, what's going on there? He's repeating himself a couple times. Did you notice that? He's repeating himself. This is something we've had from the beginning. This is nothing new. Let me remind you what John is doing is he's being a really good pastor, actually. See, you all wonder why I repeat myself so much? You wonder why Pastor Bob repeats himself so much? Occupational hazard. It's part of the gig good pastors repeat ourselves a lot why because what john is doing is calling attention and calling people back to the very fabric the mission the vision the dna of the church He's saying, look, from the beginning, when we started this church, when this church really got moving and growing, when we got some momentum going on here, when we began this church and wanted God to do something amazing through us, from the beginning, we said on the outset that our mission, our vision, part of who we are as a church body is going to be a place that loves the way God has loved us. We are going to be a place that exhibits God's love in this world just as he commanded that we do. We're going to be a place. We're going to be a church. This is going to be part of what defines us is to be a loving church just the way Jesus asked us to love. This is straight out of the Gospel of John as well where Jesus lays out in the upper room. Shout out to all of you in the upper room. When Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room, one of the most powerful quotes that he has is he says, Look, I give you a new command. You are to love one another just as I have loved you. John recorded that in his first-hand eyewitness account. And when he started these churches, he started them saying, Look, part of the mission mission vision and DNA of what it means to be a part of this place is to love as Jesus Christ has loved us. This is nothing new. We've had this from the beginning and I am simply reminding you of this. Because that's what a good pastor does. He reminds you of the mission, vision and values of the church that God has called into being. So, Christ Church, finish the sentence for me. Christ Church, we're a place for people who aren't here yet. Thank you. Say it again with me, one, two, three. Christ Church, we're a place for people who aren't here yet. That's because we, that's our way of saying that we want to love people. We want to be sensitive to people. We want to be outward focused in a way that loves those who are Outside of our church community, we want to take what John is actually saying very seriously. That our fabric, our DNA, is to love people the way Christ has loved us. To be outward focused. Not curving in. It's not about me. It's not about my issues, my problems alone. It is about me living and loving other people as Christ has loved me. Now we do this within the church context. So, John's just being a good pastor. He's saying, remember, guys, keep the main thing the main thing. Verse 7. Oh, here we find out why he reminds us of the mission and vision. I say this because many deceivers have gone into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Woo! Spicy. This is the problem. This is the issue. Many deceivers have gone into the world. There is a whole lot of confusion, and it's being caused by people who are running around spreading bogus Christianity. They're saying, look, Jesus wasn't really in the flesh, he didn't have a a flesh body. He was an apparition, he was a ghost, he was just spirit form, and he wasn't human. It was actually a very, very powerful, powerful false teaching in the early church. And John is hypersensitive to it. I mentioned it last week. It's called Gnosticism. John doesn't like it. To deny the humanity of Jesus Christ, to deny that he came in the flesh, is to deny Christmas. Christmas never happened. You just denied it. To deny Christmas and to deny Jesus in the flesh is to deny the cross. A ghost can't die. A ghost, a ghost can't experience blood pouring out of it. A ghost can't wear a crown of thorns or be hung on a cross and nails pounded into him. A ghost can't die and be put into the grave. And a ghost cannot be raised three days later on Easter morning. So when you deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, you are denying Christianity as a whole. The whole thing unravels. Jesus, God, entered flesh and dwelt among us. And so, John's concerned about these deceivers who spout bogus Christianity. He goes as far to say they are not only deceivers, but they are antichrists. Now, okay, before you all start getting weird on me when we use that word antichrist in the church, I need you to step back from Left Behind series, step back from Hollywood, and all that other stuff that you've seen scroll on your Facebook, okay? How everybody posts about this person's an antichrist or that person is, all right? Biblically, biblically, an antichrist is not a single person, it is anyone who is anti Jesus Christ. Biblically, when you, you look at that term and how it's used, it is anyone who is anti Jesus Christ, who is working in this world against the church, Jesus Christ, his teachings, the spreading of his kingdom. Anyone who works opposing Jesus is an Antichrist. And John is very smart. He is one smart guy. Because look, what what he's doing with this letter, what he's doing with this letter is he's saying, look, they are not only deceivers, spreading false teachings, messing with people's logic, their theology, their doctrine, what they believe, but they are also working against what Jesus is trying to do in this world. They're trying to undo by causing division, anger, strife, and confusion. They're causing conflict. They are antichrists because of what they're doing. And now it makes sense why he called us back to the mission and vision of the church and to love. They are not only betraying the true Jesus, they are betraying the true love of what it means to love people with the love of Jesus. They are unloving by causing the division and the strife that they are. They are undermining Jesus Christ as we understand him, And they are undermining Jesus Christ and the love that we seek to embody to one another. This is no small thing. And this is why he writes the letter. He gives a warning. He says, look, watch out. Be careful. Be on your guard. Watch out so that you do not lose what you've worked so hard to achieve. Don't lose the faith that, that, that now has been part of who you are. Don't lose the, the hope that you have. Don't lose the, the lifestyle of love, grace, and forgiveness that's, that's captured you and that now informs the way that you think. Don't lose those things. Instead, be diligent, be faithful, be true to those things so that you receive your full reward. So you reap the benefits of what it is to have security and sensitivity and joy and satisfaction. All that comes with the Christian faith. So be on your guard and watch out for these deceivers and unloving antichrists. I mean, this is so big. This is so significant in John's world. He goes from naming the problem to to, to giving this warning. To now naming the significance of the consequences. If you buy into this bogus Christianity, this is what happens. Okay? He says anyone who wanders away from the teaching, the true teaching, the teaching that he's given, that John has recorded in the Gospel of John, they simply have no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching, the true, real, authentic teaching of Jesus Christ, has a relationship with God the Father and God the Son. Your relationship, our relationship with God is what's at stake here when we deny true Jesus and deny the true love of Jesus in our lives. He takes it one final step in verse 10. And he says, look, This is such a big issue. You have to be so on your guard because of those consequences. You must not and cannot enable bad behavior. Do you guys know what the word enablement means when I use that word, enable? You guys know what that is? Enabling someone? It is one of the most difficult and challenging things to figure out in life. How do you love someone without enabling bad behavior. Boundaries, rules, laws, for the sake and the well-being of the person out of love. John says don't enable these bad behaviors. If anyone comes to your meeting and doesn't teach the truth about Jesus Christ, don't invite him to home, don't have them over for dinner, give them any kind of encouragement, don't give them a high five, none of that stuff. Anyone who encourages those people becomes a partner in their evil work. Don't go near this. It's that important. It's that big. And don't enable bad behavior because of how significant it is. He finishes the letter here, verses 12 and 13. He says, I've got much more to say to you. You know, There's more to say, there's more to unpack, there's more to talk about, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink. Anyone who's ever sent a regretful email and says the Bible isn't relevant, read that verse again. All right? This is saying, look, don't try to solve solutions over text messaging. Don't send the email. Use the email and the text to set up a face-to-face so that you can truly get at the significant issue. And so that's what John aspires for. He says, look, I'm not going to try to unpack this more in paper and ink. I hope instead to visit you soon, and I'll talk with you face to face. We'll get at this and talk face to face. And when we do that and we get, we get centered on the true Jesus and his true love in our lives, then our joy will be complete. He finishes verse 13, greetings from your children of your sister chosen by God. Again, that is a metaphor for the mother church. And so he's saying, greetings from all the other Christians. Remember the greater church. Remember the other Christians who are in this together with you in the midst of the confusion and deceivers in the world. Remember and receive greetings from the true Christian church, your brothers and sisters in the faith chosen by God. That is how the letter ends. Good job. You're all biblical scholars now. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? Come on. You just read an entire book of the Bible. That's kind of cool. Here's the deal. Here's the main point. Here's the bottom line of John. Second John is actually a very profound letter. There's a lot in it. There's a lot that could be said about it. We could literally spend weeks unpacking it. But as I began to think and discern and try to summarize, here were some of my thoughts that I want to pass on to you. If what is in our heads gets confused, our hearts will follow. If what is in our hearts is false, what is in our heads will follow. For us, for you and me, for Christ Church here and now, for this church, we will remain committed to a true and right understanding of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. We will continue to go back to these firsthand eyewitness accounts, to the Gospels. We will continue to come back to the Scriptures to help us get a clear picture and a clear understanding of how God has been at work and specifically led to the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. We will never move off Jesus Christ in a right, healthy understanding of who he is and what he's done. We will also never remove ourselves from his love made manifest in each of us, made real, tangible. We will never move off of what it is to put others first, And love other people the way Jesus has loved us. That is our true, real faith. True, real Christianity. Jesus and his love in and through his people. You get to embody that. You get to live that. You get to enjoy that. You get to live as a Christian person. If you're a Christian, you get to live with the knowledge, the head knowledge, that Jesus Christ, God himself, came into this world wrapped in flesh, died on a cross, was buried, rose again, all for your sake and your well-being to ensure that you, too, could experience life after death, that, that, that he could ensure your forgiveness that he could ensure that you have hope and joy and satisfaction in this life. We know and believe Jesus came for each one of us. And we now carry his love of putting others first into our families, into the way that we treat our spouses, into the way that we treat our kids, into our work environment. Shoot, we love the coworker when they come in and everybody else hangs their head because it's that coworker. We as Christian people step up and choose to love them. We choose to love the person who's really hard to love. That family member you just saw at Christmas who sat by themselves, who's awkward, who's really screwed up in life and made a ton of mistakes and they know it and you know it and you don't even know how to talk to them. You get to love them. And you get to tell them that Jesus Christ came into the world to love them too. To die for them too. And forgive them too. You, we, have been captured and claimed in baptismal waters by the real, true faith, Christianity. Where Jesus Christ is truly God made man. And his love is for each one of us. And his love is made real through each one of us. So don't be deceived. Be careful. Guard your hearts, guard your minds. Read your Bibles. There's good stuff in here. Go read the Gospel of John. See that firsthand account for yourself. And remember, never, get lo- never let go of the true faith that has claimed you. Amen, good? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of this letter. In just a few short verses, there is so much... There's so much. Thank you that John would be adamant about ensuring that true faith that has claimed us as well. That in the midst of the confusion in the ancient world and even the confusion today, where we sometimes get led astray, we make mistakes, we hear things that are just simply bogus, we ask that you would instead protect us from those deceivers and antichrists, those who are at work in this world against you, and instead lend our voices and our lives for your kingdom and your kingdom's sake. Help us be fervent for your mission and your vision for this world. Specifically for Christ's church, we ask that we would be a church for those who aren't here yet, bringing them a true Jesus and truly Jesus' love. In your mercy and your grace, help us hold true to 2 John and the teachings therein. We ask and we pray this in the grace and in the power of Jesus' name. Amen.